0: Hey, everyone, welcome back. Great to have you here and super excited to bring you another episode of the podcast where each week we do our best to dig into health, well-being, and high performance. And this week, I'm super excited to bring you an interview with Dr. Susan Bialy-Haas. She is an award-winning medical doctor, health and wellness expert, coach, speaker, and author. She helps people worldwide to reduce stress, prevent burnout, improve mental health, and live with increased wellness and resilience. She's overcome burnout and depression at the beginning of her medical career, quickly becoming an internationally recognized influencer in health and well-being. With over two decades spent studying wellness and resiliency, 20 years of clinical experience with thousands of patients, and more than 10 years coaching high-performance clients worldwide, she expertly applies her experience and skills to equip people to live better lives. Her clients include the U.S. Navy, Google, MIT, McKinsey & Company, and Deloitte. She's a popular blogger for Psychology Today and Dr. Bialy Haas's posts on wellness, mental health, and resilience have attracted over 10 million views. She's been featured on the Today Show, Marilyn Dennis Show, Oprah.com, Forbes Fast Company, the Chicago Tribune, Martha Stewart Living, People in Style, the Washington Post, the New York Post, and the Globe and Mail. She's also been a health columnist and Embrace Life expert for Reader's Digest Best Health and a guest on the Dr. Greg Wells podcast, I might add. In addition to her doctorate doctorate in medicine and bachelors of science in dietetics from the University of British Columbia, Dr. Bialy Haas has received a number of awards, including the Rakesh Goel Prize for Most Outstanding Clinical Skills, the UBC Medal in Dietetics, and the Woman of Worth Award in Health and Wellness. She loves to attend courses in preventative and lifestyle medicine at Harvard Medical School and is continuously on the lookout for the latest science and data that will help you thrive in both work and in life. Her latest book called The Resilient Life is coming out right now, which is why we have her on the show. Just so excited to speak to her about anything and everything to do with health, well-being, and especially resiliency and the ability to bounce back. So without any further delays, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Susan bialy Haas. Dr. Susan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you, Greg. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So where am I finding you today in the world?
1: I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I just relocated back actually this past weekend. So here I am. Really? Yeah. Well, the
0: the setup looks great. So whatever you've done in the background there, you've done a good job.
1: I scrambled. this was a priority i don't even fully have groceries yet so nice this the <laughs> so
0: the camera is pointing in the one direction of your home that's like set up perfectly oh, and there's chaos yes. and behind the scenes got it <laughs> don't want
1: to see the rest
0: <laughs> so super thrilled you could join us as we were talking about before we got on clicked record we, we have so many common approaches which is fantastic but I actually want to start with the flamenco dancing thing. So can you just like tell us the origin story about how you landed on that as your solution to some of the challenges that you were facing?
1: Oh yes, I love that story. How do I start it even? So fundamentally why I do everything that I do is because in my emergency medicine residency training program as a physician, I experienced severe burnout and depression and even some trauma symptoms and was encouraged to take a stress leave by one of the leaders who was she was amazing so she she figured out what was going on with me told me to take a stress leave during that stress leave i had no idea what to do with myself she'd actually given me a piece of homework she said during this time off i want you to think about who you actually are, like what gifts and talents do you wanna use in the world and what do you actually want your life to be like? Cause I was in completely the wrong place. I should have never been trying to become an ER doctor. And during that stress leave, I took a trip to Cuba by myself and I saw the most incredible Cuban salsa dance team performing and in that moment, I remembered that as a little girl, I had been obsessed with becoming a solid dance solid gold dancer and uh, no one should google that but my parents didn't know i was watching that show but i just i remembered that that was my primary passion dancing from my earliest memories and so one of the things that i did in the process of recovering from all the mental health challenges was i signed up for salsa dance lessons which turned into flamenco dance lessons and courses in spain and actually at one point even had my own flamenco and salsa dance little company in los cabos mexico (laughs) so it so it's been it was just the most beautiful adventure and the music and the movement and the community and the art and the passion it was such a huge part of recovering myself and moving out of uh, the terrible mental health situation i had been in
0: that's so fascinating um i went to not to make everything about me but um what here we go Uh, i went to bogota colombia
1: Ah, Colombia.
0: it was incredible loved it fantastic the people are amazing i was speaking every day at this conference and they would take me out every night for dinner and i didn't realize that in colombia dinner means you're dancing until three o'clock in the morning to live salsa music and you're certainly not sitting because all of the chairs and tables get pushed to the side and i've got as about as much rhythm as like my desk, like none, but that was some <laughs> of the most fun I have ever had in my entire right. life, way right. out of my comfort zone, but so good.
1: Oh, oh yes, and I did that for years. And every Friday night, the Polish community center in Vancouver was where the whole salsa community gathered. Um, the people weren't even drinking alcohol, it was just water bottles that they sold. Yes. Like, just, cause no one who needed alcohol when you're having that much fun. So just
0: oh, incredible. How important do you think having fun and play is right now as we emerge from this pandemic as we're trying to find ways of thriving, improving our mental health? And we've been in these lockdowns, which we had to do not getting into that. Yeah. But now as we kind of rebuild our lives and we move forwards and we want to try to figure out how to thrive, what role do you think fun and play has?
1: It has an enormous role, very much actually even from a neuroscientific point of view, because when we go through a collective trauma, like we have been through, and there was legitimate threat, obviously, the limbic system, which exists to protect us and help us survive, gets thrown into high alert uh, for all of us and has been over the last couple of years. and once our limbic system gets into that zone chronically that there's a threat and will often stay there even when the threat has significantly diminished or now we know how to, to deal with everything that's happened because we are in an, a new normal now where we're feeling we're starting to feel much better but the role of fun and play is that it's very simple it's very powerful for the brain to experience and it actually helps us to reprogram the limbic system teaching it that actually the world is a fun place to remind our brains. The world is fun. We can reconnect with that childish sense of joy. And and the limbic system is quite young, they say. It sort of thinks like a three or four year old, which is why it can be so hard to convince it that things are better now. So I think for all of us, not only obviously does it make us feel so much better in the moment, but it's also really good for our brains.
0: If we're talking about thriving and we want to rewire our brains to thrive, to love life, to feel happy, to have that positive energy, what are some other tactics that we can use to make that happen? I'm really interested, obviously, in the neurosciences or many of my audience, so would love your take on that.
1: Yeah, one thing that I have mean, so much that I could say about that, one thing that's quite powerful and and I know you're huge on performance and athletics and things like that is, is visualization, actually. Hmm. Yeah, because our brain can't tell the difference on a fundamental level between the things that we visualize and imagine and real life. They've done studies like functional MRIs and things like that to show that. And athletes have known that forever, right? That if you're gonna compete in the Olympics, you imagine yourself doing that ski run over and over again at your very best. And the body actually does, you know, the muscles we've demonstrated, they actually change in response to visualization or or basketball nets and things like that, It's, it's wild. And we can also do that for ourselves in terms of how we feel and our expectations about life. So whether it's something that you're looking forward to, that's like, maybe a vacation or you're giving a speech or you're going on some kind of adventure, it's so good for your brain to imagine that and imagine that using all of your senses, like the sights, the sounds, the smells, the taste, the tactile feelings. And when you anticipate that, with your brain it will actually change the way that you feel about what's coming and which is very very powerful when you're doing something that you are maybe nervous or feel fearful about but also something that you're looking forward to and so not only does it enhance the probability that you're going to have a wonderful positive experience when you're actually there but it also changes anticipation and just affects neurochemistry at the same time
0: i love that so i had um the opportunity in 2003, 20 years ago, crazy, to ride my bike across Africa after getting my PhD. It was super amazing. And when I was on that ride, it was like, I am bringing, didn't have a family, didn't have a girlfriend at the time or anything. I am bringing my family back here to go on safari. Took me 20 years, happened this last August, but that was so clear and has been something that I visualized through my, like the last 20 years, very clear. I knew exactly where I was going to go. I I knew how it was going to be, like what it was where we were going to drive. Like I knew the whole thing. And so it was so weird when we got there. I felt like I've been here before. This is, you know, part of my soul. I stepped down, grabbed the earth, felt it in my hands, like the whole Uh, thing. So it's so cool that you brought up visualization. I hadn't been thinking about that um, actually since like when I was an athlete. So that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it's very powerful. And I I don't mean it in a magical manifesting kind of way either because some people may hear it that way, but really it's very much about priming your brain. For the good that awaits you and that doing so and preparing your brain with positive expectation makes it more likely that it's going to go well.
0: I love that. And can you also use it to help you navigate some potentially challenging situations as well? I think about Alex Honnold climbing the dawn wall in the movie Free Solo. He's talking about having visualized his entire way up as well as what would happen if he slipped in various different places. Like he yes. had the positive yes. outcomes, but he also visualized yes. the negative outcomes. So yeah. tell me about that.
1: Yeah, and you're teaching your brain. When you do those things, You're it's like practicing. There was a study in basketball players that I mentioned very briefly a moment ago, where they were practicing, I think it was their free throws. And some people practiced it live and others practiced it in their brains. And there was the same amount of improvement when you practice it with your brain. So even though you may not be able to practice Everest, for real, you can practice it in your mind. And absolutely, the the technique that I described is actually the most powerful and the most empowering when you're afraid of doing something. Like I use it whenever I have really intimidating speeches. Like I spoke in DC to 4,000 people, healthcare leaders uh, back in June. And that was one of the biggest speeches that I have ever done. And it was very, very high production, very high pressure. And I imagined myself, on that stage over and over again again with all the senses uh, you know feeling the light on my skin uh feeling the shoes that i'm wearing and you know the smells and the lights and the people and the joy and and talking it through with myself as well so you talk while you're doing this you say out loud i'm standing here it feels so good i love this work i feel so grateful to be here so you're cultivating those emotions tied to it as well and then It makes it so much more likely that when the moment comes, not only is it familiar, but you have primed yourself to fully be present and enjoy it and do your best.
0: I love that. Can you walk us through the process a little bit more in a little bit more of a granular way? Let's say someone wants to try this. How would they get started? What would they do?
1: Yeah. And this actually, I have to say where I learned this from. It was a course actually that some physician colleagues recommended to me called the Dynamic Neural Retraining System. So these foundations come from that course. I can't endorse it as a physician per se, but I I, as a person, I took that course. And it's about actually helping people's brains who have chronic conditions to to recover from the trauma that's often the origin of those conditions. And so one of the exercises that you do is uh, when you're facing something challenging that you would normally be afraid of or even run away from, you first of all, think of a time in your life when you love doing that. Like I will prime my brain first by thinking of like a favorite speech I did in Austin, Texas years ago. It's not one of my favorites. And yeah. so I, I put myself there. I imagine myself there again. I'm talking out loud say, like reliving it from as many sensory perspectives as I can, because the brain needs that input. So I get myself into that memory of the amazing speech that I gave and then I next put myself in my mind, I close my eyes and I see myself standing on that stage in DC, what I'm wearing, the sound of the crowd, the feel of standing on the stage, the lights in my eyes. And then I talk about what it feels like to be there. Like just how much I'm enjoying it, how confident I feel, how much I love what I do, and create, bring that experience as a live as i can it only takes like a few minutes i would say i spend like a couple of minutes on the on the past one and then a couple of minutes on on the future one and it's 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 very efficient and the feeling that it gives you like the 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 rush of positive neurochemistry and that itself is so healing for your brain versus the fear response that for most of us is the default when we're nervous about something isn't
0: it interesting that uh I would imagine that a lot of people probably resist this idea, like, oh, I, imagining this perfect outcome seems strange or, you know, why would I do that when so many of us imagine a future that doesn't exist, that makes us angry, fearful, yes. upset, All like right. we, we doom scroll constantly. But now we're thinking about maybe we could actually envision a positive performance a positive yeah. outcome a positive response that's super interesting yeah but it's, it's like counterintuitive almost to do that
1: it does it really changes that default that we have as humans towards the negative negative. and i'm a naturally anxious person and i get nervous about significant performances that i have to do and not only does that exercise help me to remember the most important thing which is how much i love what i do and right. how every time i give a speech i'm so like naturally high after i love it and so when i start to feel that trepidation and that fear it helps me to remind myself you're going to love it please you're going to do great <laughs> you know and 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 so much of that has to do with preventing and even recovering from things like anxiety and trauma and depression it's it's very much tied to cognitive behavioral therapy and a lot of the the thought optimization that we know is so good for our brains and it's not magical thinking again this is realistic expectation of how it could legitimately go well
0: right you're not imagining something that there's no chance of it happening never no right like going to mars although i would really like to do that at some point (laughs) it's like greg on the next speech on stage i'm going to be wearing x i'm going to be feeling why? I'm gonna be able to walk and see the crowd. The lights will look like this. My slides will look like that. Yes. I will have this tone of voice, all those sorts of yes, like details yes. that you can envision. Yeah. Super yeah. interesting. I love the fact that we are almost deliberately training a pattern of thinking. You're deliberately training an emotional state prior to the actual critical moment itself. And it doesn't have to be like a performance on stage. It could be- oh a conversation with a loved one. It could be anything.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a way that your brain can rehearse and even a way that you can be intentional. It's like, let's say you're thinking about Thanksgiving dinner with your family or Christmas dinner where you get anxious because there are certain certain family members there. And not only before you do it, you can think about okay, what is my intention? Who do I want to be in that family context? I want to be calm. I want to be kind. I want to not react. I want to enjoy it. And and those are things that also you can rehearse and intentionally psychologically prepare yourself for how you want to show up in that moment. And then your brain is also literally being trained because you uh, the neurons that wire together that fire together wire together. Right. So you're yeah. the more that you think about being calm and kind and peaceful and joyful, the more your brain is going to get that that message and trained as well. And then it will express that more easily.
0: So if Uncle Charlie brings up politics for example you know how to handle that yes. whatever end yes. of the spectrum me up to be bringing totally. at this time you got it totally <laughs> tell us about the new book i'm fascinated by how that came about and where you're trying to take the world
1: yes so it's it's really the culmination of the last 20 years of work and it brings all of my passions together really i i have been passionate about preventive health. Since I was a teenager, I did my first degree in dietetics before I went to med school and then ER and primary care practice and, and all this passion all along with mental health. And I'm also an executive coach. I started out as a life coach, but then realized quite quickly that I was working with leaders almost <laughs> exclusively. So right. I've been doing that as well. So it it brings together my expertise on, on burnout on medicine and wellness and well being and preventive medicine, and also that executive coaching piece, where so much of what I've done over the years has been about helping people to actually translate for many people what they already know that they want and need to be doing to, to translate that from that knowledge into actual action and lifelong habits, and then all of the the joy and well being and rewards that come out of that. So that was, that's what the book is really about
0: yeah and i like how you've broken out the book by the way is the resilient life and i love how you've broken it out into sort of managing yourself stress and burnout and then fortifying your health and well-being but you also acknowledge the challenges around healthy relationships and Mm -hmm. then ultimately establishing that ability to bounce back but you finish with purpose yeah and so it's it's an interesting arc that that (laughs) that that takes but i love where where you where you land
1: Thank you. Yes, the purpose thing has been a big theme for for me and has and has morphed also in terms of how I talk about it. Because at the beginning I just thought that everybody should quit their jobs and move to another country and become a dancer. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, but the, my advice has matured a little now. So just a touch. Yeah, just, <laughs> just a little
0: a bit. If people want to learn more about you and your work and the book, where can they go?
1: Ah, thank you. They can find more information about the book on my book page on my website, which is the resilientlifebook.com
0: Awesome. Dr. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's awesome to have you here sharing your wisdom. I didn't think we would talk about visualization, but that's <laughs> awesome. I'm either. super glad that we did. It was loads <laughs> of fun and we'll do it again.
1: Thanks so much, Greg. I'd love that.